One day, an entire world woke up in a civilization destroyed, with no memory of what brought them to their demise. For 2,000 years, the people rebuilt, from the first communities banding together to fight the monsters in the dark, to bustling technomantic metropolises. Against this backdrop, the ordinary folk played out their extraordinary lives. These are their stories. This is the Chronicles of Styropos. Hello and welcome to the Chronicles of Styropos. I am your Dungeon Master and Keeper of the Chronicles, Hannah. So if you haven't already, I recommend you go back and listen to our trailer so that you can have a little idea of what is going on and what this podcast is about. But if you already have, then let's crack on. This story was intended to be recorded as a little bit of an experiment to see whether the four of us enjoyed recording together and whether it was possible for us to make a podcast. But actually, we had a really good time and it turned out really well, so we couldn't resist it. This story takes place in the riverside town of Aramore, the cultural and ancestral lands of the Orcs. But about 300 years ago, the elves were fleeing their own wars and made their way here. And this caused quite a lot of tension between the Orcish household of the Thunderstones and the Elven household of the Amastasias, where both families claim the land is theirs. In this story, we follow three friends on their quest for true love. We had a really great time recording and playing this, and I hope that you enjoy it too. Without further ado, let's introduce our players. Okay, first up is Simon. Simon, please introduce yourself and tell us who you're playing. Hi, I'm Simon. I'm here to play Omatine, who is a Way of the Drunken Master monk and a sea elf. Omatine comes from a large family of sea elves that live on an island and the surrounding shallows just off the mainland. They're quite a wealthy family. They make their money protecting and guiding ships up and down the coastline. But Omatine quickly grew bored with the very sort of rigid structure that his life followed among his family and so took his share of the money and made his way to the mainland to seek out an adventure of his own. He followed one of the rivers near his homeland into the, the centre of the continent for a little while, found a nice spot in order to build a house, started growing grapes, growing barley, just generally chilling out, having a good time. And his vibe is more tipsy hipster craft ale enthusiast than full-on drunken monk. His bright blue skin means that he sticks out quite a lot in town, and he's pretty much the only sea elf to have made such a move. But he's having a good time, drinking his beer, enjoying the scenery and the nature at the edge of town, and playing music on the lute that he crafted for himself. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Okay, and next up is Serena. Please introduce yourself and tell us who you're playing. Hello, I'm Serena. Uh, my character is Arnolf Arnoldson, the Wolven Storm, or just Arnie for short. He is a ranger and he is a gnome. So he is a very, very small tank. My original description of him was a mini Thor, but ginger. He is from a clan of nomadic gnomish warriors 
kind of a loose coalition of families and he had a stable but fairly boring life in wide grasslands so he left a life of travel and adventure he's mostly working as a mercenary it wasn't drama though like his family are all they're all happy for people to go out adventuring it's kind of their way bring honor to the clan so he went to be a mercenary but he's kind of a really good guy so every time a, a peasant or anyone would get him to do a job he would then refuse payment because he would feel bad so he decided that he better instead fight for the nobles and he comes to this town where the orcs and the elves are kind of all against each other and he basically flips between both sides who based on who's offering the most money at the time he's very very introverted painfully introverted and one time he was drinking in the tavern and Calith and Omatine, you've already met Omatine, meet him and kind of just adopt him as the extroverts adopting an introvert. And he just goes along being their friends ever since. He's very strong. He has 44 hit points currently. Um, and that is, that is Arnie. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Okay. And next up, my lovely husband, Alex. Alex, please introduce yourself and who you're playing. Hello, I am Alex. And I am playing the Lady Calith Anastasia, or Calith, or more often Kay. She is a high elf glamour bard. She is the daughter of the local elvish, high elvish nobility. She doesn't particularly like the fact that she's a noblewoman and the, the responsibility and so on that that comes with. So she has got into the habit of sneaking into the local town disguised as a half-elf and playing music in a local tavern. Initially, when she started doing this, she decided that a male bard would be more likely to get attention, more likely to get opportunities. So she called herself Kaelin and performed under that name. She found it difficult to pretend to be a boy initially. It was very quickly apparent that she was in fact a woman, but disguised as a half-elf woman, going by Caitlin. So her friends would know her as Caitlin. And what is Caleth's relationship to Barvi? So a few months ago, while Caleth was performing her regular set in the tavern, an orcish woman came up to her and asked if she would be able to sing with her. And she did so, and this was a, a tremendous success. They quickly struck up a friendship, although Caleth was not entirely honest with Barvi about who she, who she really was. And that friendship over the next weeks and months developed into a relationship. Okay, so you see Barvi most evenings at the pub? Yes, either they're performing together or Barvi is with the other two uh, watching her perform. Okay, very nice. So, without further ado, let's get on with the episode. Two houses, both alike in ambition, proud orcs who thrive upon ancestral grounds, and lofty elves fled mortal oppression, that betwixt the two deathly feud abounds. Rooted in their parents' bitterest pain, two daughters, spirits kindred but for fate. Mask mortal secrets, belt out moonlit strains. For children's hearts fan not the flames of hate. When deepest love draws family's deepest shame, no reparation can fully blot out the vice, the only remedy, blood to purge their name, which is now the evening's object of our dice. So now, dear friends, hearken well our tale. Could it be this time that true love prevails? 
That was good. Bravo. I think Alex enjoyed that way too much. It was just the dice. The dice got me. <laughs> So, you sit in your familiar tavern, which is warm and comfortable. The four of you have whiled away many a pleasant evening here under the care of Alice the barkeep, a sturdy dwarven woman with thick brown hair tied into a utilitarian topknot and her beard braided tidily back from her face. The sounds in the tavern is a quiet murmur of conversation. Omi and Arnie, you are watching Caleth perform her regular set and you all wait for Bavi to arrive. Caleth, roll me a performance check. The first dice roll of the game, baby. Now that's an eight, but I do have the act of feet and I am disguised as a half-elf man. I believe the act of feet is to impersonate someone. I do not believe you are technically impersonating someone. All right, well, it's only a 15 then. It's only a 15. So you make a fair go at it. It's pretty good. It's not your best ever, but you're having a good go of it. What is your regular set? So the regular set is me sitting with a lyre, and I am sort of playing a melody on that, and I am telling a story. I'm a kind of spoken word artist. And in fact, I'm telling a story all about love and fairies and Midsummer and Dreams, and I'm basically telling the story of a Midsummer Night's Dream. Nice. Omi, with your passive insight of 15, the vibe is slightly off today. There is an undercurrent of tension simmering beneath the surface, and you can't quite put your finger on it. Is there anyone particularly shifty around or anything like that? Roll a perception check. Uh, Oh, that's not bad. That is a... 16. There is not so much someone around that is shifty. It is that a lot of the regulars in here right now seem to be a little bit shifty. You know, people you have drunk with before. Alice behind the bar is looking a bit shifty. The table next to you is looking a bit shifty. There is definitely something off. Okay. Is, are, there, are any of them actively doing anything shifty or are they just kind of, you know? Alice looks very tense. Her shoulders are kind of up and you can see that she's sweating a little bit, and you can see that the table next to you, full of people who you have drunk with before, you know them pretty well, they're casting you suspicious glances. Can I try and get Alice's attention and just sort of wave her over? She comes over. Uh, hiya, Omi, what can I get you? Oh, another one of the usual, please. Arnie, anything for you? Uh, ale. Yeah, of course, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yes. Ale, please. Thank you. And she tries to scurry off. Make sure you bring him something good. Don't don't bother with any of the bland crap. Of course, Mr. Omi, of course, of course. And uh, she, she scurries off. I like that that started with um, Simon trying to get the barmaid over or the, the barkeep over to get some information and just buying beer. <laughs> well, I, when she runs off, I will turn to Arnie and just be like, seemed to you like she ran off a bit quickly? She's normally chattier than that. Um. I'm quite happy with, with the not chatting. Seems like a nice change. Fair enough. I have the wrong person at this table for this conversation. I'll grab her when she comes back with the beers. And she does, you know, you can see her grabbing the beers. She's pouring them and 
a little bit is sloshing out the side and you think, wow, that's not much like Alice. And she turns around and she hurries back to you and plonks the beer on the table and she's almost just put them down before she's turning back around. Omi, something seems wrong here. Alice, Alice, I will reach my hand if I can and I will just get her by the shoulder before she runs away and she's like, what's the rush? What's the rush? Yeah, she kind of turns around. She's like, oh, nothing, you know, just busy, busy, busy today, isn't it? Is it busy? I'm guessing it doesn't actually seem any busier in the tavern. It does not. Hmm. I'll be like, that seems seems pretty pretty normal to me. Oh, um, well, yes, I suppose, yes. Um, hmm. No, um, no, Barbie today. No. You'd have to ask Kay, I think. You can kind of see she's sort of shuffling from foot to foot and trying to kind of make space to get away. Well, if you are busy, I, I, I won't keep you for long, but, but is there anything going on we should know about? It seems as though everyone's keeping to themselves a little bit more than normal. Roll an insight check. 19. She is sweating bullets. She is stressed. And you can see her desperately trying to look for an excuse to get away. I almost feel bad keeping her here at this point. I think I would just let her go. She scurries away and you can see her like avoiding your eyes. And at that point, Caleb, you finish your set. And you maybe make your way back to your friends. Where, where is she? Where is she? What's she? She's never late. Where, where's Barbie? Kayleth, Kayleth, I think we need to get out of here. What do you, what's going on? What do you mean? Well, um, Alice is stressed. And ask Omi. Omi, what's going on? What's he talking about? Arnie's kind of right. She does seem stressed. She's definitely not telling us something. But I haven't finished my beer yet. We don't need to get out of here that quickly, I don't think. I'm going to go over to the bar and get myself a glass of House White. And I'd also uh, want to do a little look around to see if I spot anything amiss. Okay, give me a perception check. I'm good at that. That's a seven, so oh, a nine. A nine. Nothing particularly seems amiss to you except that Omi is right. Alice does seem quite stressed. So I go out to the bar. Um, Alice, just a glass of the usual. Everything okay? Oh, yes, yes, Miss, uh, yes, uh, sorry, Mr. And she gives you a little wink. Kay, no, no problems here at all. No, no, no. It's just the boys over there were a bit put out. Thought you were acting a bit strange. Oh, no, 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 no. Just busy, busy, busy. And she slams the glass of white on the table. Anything more? Mr. Wink, Kay? You know you can trust me. If there's anything you need to tell me, you can tell me. Don't worry, I can help. Give me a persuasion check. These dice need to go to the dice jail, because that's an 11. She smiles weakly and says, no, 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 don't worry yourself, sweetheart. Don't, don't worry yourself. Just enjoy the rest of your evening. You know, drinks on me for uh, the lovely performance today. And she sends you away. So the three of you are sitting at your table with a conspicuously empty fourth chair. Can I just ask, was the reaction to Kay's performance muted more so than normal? Like, not as much of an atmosphere? Give me a insight check. Uh, Non-natural 20. 
the majority of the crowd seem to be just as enthusiastic as normal. Nice little round of cheering, a few coins thrown in the tip. But the table next to you, full of the regulars, and Alice definitely seemed to react less strongly than normal. So it's primarily the regulars who are acting weird? Yes. What's the uh, orcish to elfish ratio in this pub? Okay, roll me a perception check. Okay. 319. This tavern is not really known for taking part in politics. It is not an elfish tavern. It is not an orcish tavern. It is where the people of the town would commonly mix. So there are a few elves, not many high elves, you know, mostly the sort of wood elf variety. There's a few gnomes. There's a few dwarves. There isn't really any orcs here, though. Okay. And our friend who's missing is also an orc. She is. And she's not here. She is conspicuously not here. I mean, I feel like we need to leave this place and go find her, right? I will turn to Kay and just be like, I mean, you're normally the one who knows what Boofy's up to. Come on, surely she said something to you. No, she she said she'd be here. She should be here. Well, can't have you worrying now, can we? Very sweet of you. Maybe. Maybe we should go and go and look for her. And I will kind of take out like a hip flask and pour the rest of my beer like into that so that I can take it on the road with me. <laughs> and Arnolf, meanwhile, just chugs the beer all in one. And Caleb? I think she just leaves the mostly empty wine. She's not refilling really it. She's very anxious and worried. You make your way out of the tavern um, and sort of give Alice a backwards wave and you walk out into the night. It is a moonless sky, quite cloudy and very dark. Where are you heading? Um, where's my wolf being kept? Oh, he was just lying down outside and um, as you walk out the door of the tavern, your wolf stands to greet you and he pads gently by your side. What is your wolf's name? I realise I forgot to name him. Um, Fenris. He's Fenris. Ooh, Fenris. Nice. As the wolf approaches, as Fenris approaches, Kaelic is a big scratch on the eye. Hello, hello. <laughs> like, tre- treating him like a little puppy, but he's like a massive wolf. I will also just kneel down in front of Fenris and go, here, and nick some peanuts, and just kind of hold my hand out. Yet he does the, like, big lick of his tongue and scoops all the peanuts up. Anani just kind of gives gives Omi a bit of a scowl and, like, you know he's on a diet. He wags his tail. You shouldn't have to miss out on, on good snacks. <laughs> yes, Arnie, he is on a diet. There's no beer that time. <laughs> he wags his tail happily. Yeah, where are you guys heading? Where is Bavi's house? I was going to say, do we know where she lives? You believe she is the blacksmith's apprentice? We believe she is that, okay. You've never visited her at home, but you believe she is the blacksmith's apprentice. That's what she tells us anyway. Should we go to the blacksmith? As good a place to start as any. What size town are we in, by the way? It's bigger than a village, but not a whole lot bigger. So like white run size? Yeah. You start to walk towards the blacksmith, and everybody roll me a perception check. Oh dear. 22. Nine for me. Six. Okay. Arnulf. Yes. 
Someone is following you in the dark. Oh dear. Someone just round the corner from you. As in behind us? Yes. Did they come from the pub as well? They were near the pub and they started following you not far from the pub. Okay. My wolf is fairly sneaky, isn't he? I think they have a pretty good bead on you. I do not think that you are going to get any kind of drop on them. Okay. And just as you spot this, one of them says, Oi, you lot, stop. So Omatine was kind of like humming to himself and not paying that much attention. And he will kind of like wheel around and just be like, "Uh, Who said that? Who goes there? Sort of out of the shadows, three large orc men step. And you can see immediately that their postures are hostile. Caleb, roll a intelligence check. That's a three. You don't recognise them. And they look pretty well dressed. They're wearing smart slacks and sort of pressed shirts, but not as ostentatious as, you know, your family might wear. Can I check if I know them? Yes, I think, Arnie, you would have a reason to recognise them. So can you please roll me an intelligence check? Don't have much intelligence, as in zero. But we'll give it a go. Uh, No, I've only got a seven. No. They look important, though. All right, and is any? can I see anything extra with my dark vision? I think we all have dark vision. No, you cannot. So we can just, we can see them and that's it. Yes, and the largest one looks directly at you, Caleb. And he says, you're the grubby little Anastasia brat who's been putting his grubby hands on my sister. I don't know what you mean. Arnie and Omi, this is the first you are hearing of Anastasia being directed towards Caliph. I think you have me mistaken for the wrong elf. I mean, I'm not even a full elf, I'm a half elf. So run along and I'm sure you can go to their palace down the way and find the person you're looking for. No, I'm pretty sure it was the half-elf Anastasia brat we're after. Don't think there is a half-elf Anastasia brat, but I wouldn't know I'm not one of them. And he holds up a flyer for you and Barvi's performance. Well, that is me. I will admit that. But I don't know what you're talking about calling me an Anastasia. That's just, that's just lies. And he sort of is advancing on you quite quickly. And he says, do you have any idea who you're messing with? Well, you seem to be orcs, but apart from that, I'm drawing a blank, I'm afraid. And he is like right up now into your face. He has covered a significant amount of ground and he kind of grabs you by your lapels and he lifts you just a little bit off your feet so that you're kind of on tiptoes and you're nose to nose. And he says, I will not hesitate to snap your stupid little neck. Get your hands off of me and I'd like to cast Thunderwave, please. Right, so let's roll initiative, guys. Oh, God. Uh, four. Uh, Nineteen. Twelve. Omi, just quickly before this fight pops off, can you roll me an intelligence check to see if you recognise these three orcs? Cool, so I rolled a fourteen with my minus one down to a thirteen. 
you don't know exactly who they are, but you believe these men may be part of the Thunderstone household, the noble orc household in the area. Okay. Okay, Caleb, you are first. So what are you doing? You're casting Thunderwave. Yeah, are they all within 15 feet? Um, no, the one holding you is within well less than 15 feet of you, but the other two are not. Okay, I think even so, I said I would do it, so I'm definitely going to do it. Okay. So the, he needs to make a constitution saving for it. That is a 15. 15? Okay, he's going to take half of 2d8. Seven points of thunder damage. So there's a big clap of thunder. Boom! And he takes seven points of damage. And I would like to uh, use my bonus action to give my two friends a bardic inspiration each. Yeah, I, I said, looks and goes, get them, boys! Uh, which means, mechanically, you guys have a d6 that you can spend on an ability check, attack roll, or saving throw at some point in the next 10 minutes. And, like, the battle music starts up. <laughs> He immediately unarmed strikes you. He's got you by the lapels and you've given him a whack with thunder. And he draws his fist back and he clonks you around the head for more than 20. That hits. Uh, and he does four damage because he's a big boy. And then for his second attack, he's holding you by impels. So he clonks you around the side and you kind of stumble back and he draws his great axe and goes to swing that at you for a more than 20. That hits. Okay, and that is 1d12. Nine points of damage. Oh dear. And you can sort of see him growl at you. Next up is Oni. Oh my word, there's no need for such disgusting behaviour, and I will pull the spear off my back and kind of strike him across the face with it. Okay, roll to hit. That is a 13. That does not hit. I will then spend a key point to do a flurry of blows as my bonus action. So that means I make two unarmed strikes. So I'm basically going to, having like missed the spear, and then basically just going to try and like come around and like try and kick him in the head. Okay, roll that for me. So the first attack is even worse, so that I assume leads again. That's better, that's a 17. That hits. Better. He takes eight points of damage from being punched in the face. Now, because I'm a Way of the Drunken Master monk, I have an ability whereby if I use Flurry of Blows, I gain the benefit of Disengage action, and my walking speed increases by 10 feet. So I'm then basically going to charge about 30 feet down the alley and just be like, come on, boys, if you want to fight, you're going to have to run for it. And as you do this, you can see this largest orc turn and look at the two orcs over his shoulder. And he says to the smallest one, well, after him, and you can see the shortest orc is holding his weapons quite nervously. His hands are shaking a little bit. And he turns and he starts to run after you. What was your walking speed or your movement speed in that one? I have 40 feet of movement and then I get an extra 10 feet when I do that. So he kind of stumbles after you and he throws a javelin your way. 24. Jeez. And you take four piercing damage as a javelin strikes you in the shoulder. Arnie, it's your go. Wait, I actually, my four beat one of the orcs. He rolled a natural one. Fantastic. All right. Um. So the biggest orc, is he still like right in Kaleth's face? Yes. Because I'm very small. Can I kind of duck under Kaleth's legs and get in between them and kind of attack him on the shins? You can sure try. 
So I'm going to go with a battle axe to the shin. Nine. That is not hit. Please oh, rolls. No. I'm going to command the wolf. Are you going to attack the big guy, the guy chasing Omi, or the one who has not yet moved? Big guy. Okay. 14. Does that hit? It does not. You guys are rolling like garbage. You really are. It's okay. I've got a ridiculous amount of hit points, so I'll, <laughs> I'll take some damage. Next up is the final orc who has not moved, and he is going to charge up, unsheath his great axe. He's going to round you, and he's going to try and hit Caliph. Does a 17 hit? Yes. Oh, that's a lot of damage. 15 points of damage. I'll be rolling death saves. Oh no, are you that squishy? Yeah. He hits you across with his great axe and you slump to the floor. But you are not making death saves because he has hit you with the kind of haft of his axe. So you are unconscious, but you are not making death saves. You just drop like a stone. Aren't you our healer? Yeah. Next up is Caleb. I guess roll your dice to see if you get a natural 20 and come too. I don't. And now it's to the big guy. So he's going to reach down to the little gnome, grab him and whack him with an axe as well. That is 19 to hit. Oh, that's my armor class. 19. Meets it, beats it. So he is going to roll with his great axe as well. Oh no, that is 17 points of damage. That was a big hit. Yeah. And he's going to do a game. That also hits. Oh no. Only 11 points of damage. Okay, next up, Omi. You are halfway down an alley. Behind you is one smaller orc. He is holding his spear nervously um, and he is charging towards you. As he charges towards me, I'm going to pull uh, a net that kind of hangs off the back of my pack and like try and basically throw that at him so that he is restrained by it. For context, I'm almost running back towards the action now, and I basically want to do this as I kind of run past him. So that is a 14, which I don't think I'll hit, so I'm going to use my Bardic Inspiration dice. I'm going to tell you, because I'm a kind and benevolent DM, that this one, a 14, does hit. Cool. So he basically gets trapped by this large net. Um, he is currently considered restrained. He can either slash it in the net or make a strength check on his turn to get out of it. But currently he is restrained. And then as I run past, I'm just going to be like, they always fall for that one. And then I'm going to go up to the big guy who is standing over Caleb and do another flurry of blows to try and punch him twice. Oh, that's finally better. Uh, I'm assuming a 24 hits. That hits. So that's five points of damage. Cool, cool, cool. And then with my second flurry of blows, better again, that is 22. That still hits. It's another five points of damage. You're roughing him up. Down to the smallest orc. He is restrained, so he's going to make a strength check to try and beef his way out. Does a 10 do it? The DC is 10, so yes. The net is not very powerful. He um, wiggles his way out of it and he turns to run to make his way back to the fight, but he does not make it yet. Arnie, you have just been whacked across the head by the kind of third or He's the tallest of the three, and he's got very sort of slick backed hair. He's wearing very well-tailored clothes, and he's sneering at you. What are you doing? So he's probably like the nobility guy. And my job is a mercenary, so I kind of don't want to pummel him. But also I don't want to die. You do have cure wounds, so you could heal me. I don't have cure wounds. Oh. Sorry. We discussed it, and you said you said don't take it because you have all the healing. <laughs> I'll, I'll, be back. I'll do all the healing. I'll just stay in the back and not do any <laughs> melee fighting. <laughs> Good work. 
Uh, all right, I'm going to go with uh, bad lacks to this dude. Probably, like, again, knees area, because I'm pretty short. 21, that hit? That hit. Yes, finally. Okay. Do I have my shield out right now? I was just walking down the street. I'd... So can I say I'm using it two-handed? Ah, but my, my AC goes down. Let's go with it. I'm doing it two-handed, because I don't think it made any difference to my... Because I've already been hit twice anyway. Eight plus four, 12. So my wolfie is going to go and bite him in the in the ankle. Your wolf leaps into the fray and roll your attack. 16 plus 3, so 19. Does that hit? Yep. Finally, wolf doing some damage. That's a 4 plus 2 plus 2. That's an 8. So how do you kill him? <gasps> well, I think he, he went for the ankle before, so he's going to grab him by the ankle, do the whole, like, grip, shake head thing, which trips him up. And once he's once he's on the floor, he's then going for the neck, and he goes for the jugular, and then he's dead. Fenris drags him down, he shakes him, and he leaps for the neck, and in a spray of blood, this orc goes, <gasps> and you can just hear him gasp his last. Oh, God. Back to the top is Caleb. You are, you know, not dead. You've just been knocked over the side of the head. <laughs> That's a one. So that's just Ooh. keeping track of it. If I had been given lethal damage, I would now be dead dead. Cool, cool, cool. Right, and it's the big orc's turn. So he has just been whacked by a drunken monk. So he's going to turn to this fella. I want to clarify that Umatine at this point is a bit more kind of tipsy. He's not hammered yet. He's just tipsy. He's just merry, like, you know, nicely buzzed. It's an important distinction. It is. Well, it's a natural one, so it doesn't matter. Um, And that's a four. So he swings with his axe. And you sort of do that, like, whoop, dodge. And he <laughs> swings again, and you just dodge the other way. And he misses you. Omatine, what do you do? You are nose to nose with this uh, very large, very angry orc. I will just look at him and go, oh, you're going to have to try harder than that. And I will just like stab him in the chest with my spear. Uh, that is a 17. It hits. That does, I think it's nine points of damage. Okay. And then I will save my key points. So I won't do the flurry of blows for my bonus action. I will just do the one unarmed strike. So having kind of stabbed him with the spear, I will then just take a hand off and basically try and, like, elbow him across the face. Uh, that is a 25. I'm finally rolling better. That hits. Uh, for five points of damage. Okay, he's not looking super good. And then if I can, without, like, moving too far, anything I can do to kind of put myself between him and Kaleth, I, I will. Yeah, you absolutely can. So you are sort of defending Caleb. Next up is the youngest orc, the smallest orc, who is holding a javelin and looking uncertainly at you. He's going to go for the little tiny gnome. And he tries to reach down and whack the gnome with a spear. And he misses. My armor class is 17 now, by the way. Well, he rolled a two. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> so I didn't need to check. <laughs> Arnie, a kind of shorter orc has just swung at you with his spear and he's sort of toppled and he's a little bit off balance. What are you going to do? I just kind of ducked down. He thought I was taller than I was. <laughs> he went for a halfling cleave, not a gnome cleave, and just a little bit too high and it just skimmed your head. Exactly. Um, well, I kind of don't want to kill this little kid because he's like, he's a young orc. I feel like he's been mis misled. Uh, he's going to go for some non-lethal damage. Slap him. <laughs> and yeah, I'm just going to slap him with the axe. Would a, what's that, 13 plus 6, maths, 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 19, would that hit? A 19 hit. Fantastic. And then I need my 1d10, which is 7 plus 4, 11. 
he is looking badly off. You whack him round the face and you can kind of see his eyes go wide and he stumbles a little bit. If I tell the wolf to attack, the wolf can't do non-lethal, can he? If you say to it before the attack, non-lethal... Okay, so I can tell him to go for like a leg grab. So he's like grabbing him by the knee or something so he can't escape, but he's not being killed. You can. Okay, cool. I'm going to do that then. 17, does that hit? That hits. And then it's uh, 6. So you say not much, but he goes down like a sack of potatoes. And you can see that his knee is mangled. There's blood spurting out of it. And he his hands are shaking and he's dropped his spear and he's trying to like scramble away on his hands, pulling himself away. The wolf still has him. Alright, let's make a strength contest. Ooh. Dirty filthy twenty. Natural twenty. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Wow. I thought I had that. Yeah, so you can see him sort of like scrambling away and he wrenches his leg free and he's sort of trying to crawl off into the night really, really quickly away from you. He is out of the fight, but he is not dead. So you one-shotted two of my orcs. Thanks, tiny, tiny tank. I love that, tiny tank. Caleb, let's roll you and see whether you wake up. Oh, I, I passed my death save this time but it's not enough for me to <gasps> awake. Okay, then this orc is gonna take a whack at you, Oma time. He misses, again. And I presume that a 21 hits. Yeah, that'll do it. And you take seven points of slashing damage. Each time he missed, Omatine is doing like a slightly like overdramatic, elaborate kind of dodge, and then he gets like just a little bit cocky and is like, oh. Yeah, and he takes it right to his belly. He's dodged, he's dodged, and this huge orc has swung. It's hit you right down in the stomach, caught you just under the ribs, and you can just feel a little trickle of blood starting to run down your side. What do you do? That really hurt. And I will just try and stab him again. 15, so this guy was hencher, so I will use my bardic inspiration dice, or are you going to be benevolent again? That's better, that's now 19. That hits. Thank you, Unconscious Caleth, for your continued support. My ghost speaks in your ear. You're welcome. That is seven points of damage. Again, I don't want to use all my key points, so I will just do the one on strike rather than a flurry of blows. That's better. That's 24 for six points of damage. He's looking really, really rough. Oh, I should have spent my key point. Arnie, your go. How far away is this big orc guy from me? I'd say he's about 20 foot. So I shall go for this dude. He's the only one left, isn't he? He is the only one still standing. There is one dead guy and one guy scrabbling off into the distance. Can I crossbow him in, like in the in the leg or in the shoulder or something, so it pins him to the ground without without killing him? I'm going to say yes, um, but if you roll poorly, you're going to hit him. Okay, all right, let's do this. Don't want to don't want to kill them. He's just a child. Oh yes, it's an eighteen plus four. Yeah, so you absolutely do pin him down. Next turn on his go. I will have him roll a strength check to see whether he can get out of that. Yes, so I'm going to send the wolf against the big guy. And that's going to be for lethal action. Um, That was only a three. If I do one, if I do my 1d6 and get a six, that's still not going to make it a hit. That is not, no. No, okay, so the wolf fails. Okay, and then this big, big guy, he is again being like punched by this stupid little CL. And he is mad, so he is Oh, that's a natural 20. Um, So that is 
12 points of damage. Even on a natural 20. Yeah, I'm doing all right then. He is going to do that again. And that also is going to hit. And that is only seven points of damage. Still up. At this point, you can tell that all pretense of non-lethal damage has gone. This man is hitting you to hurt you. And he slashes his axe and it cuts you into the shoulder. And he does it again and you take one sort of into the thigh and you can feel your legs starting to buckle. Omi, it's your turn. Uh, So I think, given that I'm on pretty low health, red mist descends. I am doing lethal damage with these. I'm fully prepared. Uh, 18. That hits. For 11 points of damage. How do you kill him? As I said, like, he kind of, like, chops into my shelf. And at that point, like, Omatine just, like, screams out in, like, pain and fury and just, like, stabs the the spear straight up into his chest. And there's that moment where time freezes and you hear him... (laughs) And he collapses onto your spear, down onto his knees, and he falls back on the floor. And there's just a little trickle of blood that runs out the corner of his mouth. And you are out of initiative. So with a dirty 20, the little guy manages to snap that arrow and he is scrambling off at an alarming speed for someone so injured. I will chase him. Can I get on the wolf and chase him as well? He's not going to get away. You're just going to leave Caleb unconscious in the street? Who, which of us is nearer him? You have both been attacking the big guy. Mm. So I would say you are both next to Caleb, and Arnie would be closer to the scrambling away one. So if Arnie was closer, in the time would just go, take Fenris and get that one. And I will then turn around to Caleb, and I will just kind of see if there's anything I can do to kind of bandage the wounds or wake her up or anything like that. All right, and I'm charging after the young one. Right, so Omi, make me a medicine check. Uh, Twelve. I think a twelve, you could probably slap her awake. <laughs> With a 12, you get out your hip glass and you pour <laughs> beer on her and she <coughs> away. Hang on, let, let me do that. Okay. <coughs> oh, oh, oh. Ow! I will just put a hand out and be like, sorry, I know you prefer the wine, not the beer, but it was the only thing I could think of to wake you up. Oh, what happened? We'll explain in a second. Arnold, did you get him? You can chase him down pretty handily. Cool. I think he's kind of sort of trying to like back when he's going, oh god, please, please just, I'm sorry, please don't hurt me, don't, please. Oh. And his hands are shaking and his eyes are wide and he is, he's trying to scramble away from you desperately. So I'm, I'm sorry, it was my brother's idea, it wasn't, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. Please. It's all right, it's all right, young thing. We won't hurt you anymore. Just come with us. And I, can I tie him up? Do I have any, I have some rope, I think. Where are you going to take him? <laughs> I don't know. Where do we live? <laughs> he says, please, let me, just let me go. Just let me, I won't. We can't do that. Look, please, your friend there, my sister, Marfrin, please, just, I, I want to go. I'm not going to hurt anyone. It's all right. We won't hurt you, but we need to ask you some questions. And you can sort of see him wilt. And I just, like, truss him up with some rope and kind of drag him along. I think I'm too too small to pick him up. <laughs> If you want to truss him up with some rope, you are still going to have to make a kind of strength check against him. Okay. That's okay. I'm a strong boy. Strong boy. Can I do athletics check or does it have to be strength? Yeah, let's go athletics. Sweet. That's plus eight. <laughs> can I use my 1d6? Mm, you can for this. Cool. 20. Dirty 20. 
Yeah, and he gets a 22. Oh, come on. So you kind of come at him with the ropes and he just quicker than you think it's possible. He like clotheslines you with his hand and like you don't take any damage, but it makes your head ring a bit. And by the time you've turned back, he is scrambling away. I would have thought a dirty 20 would do it, but curses. Hannah's magic dice. It's Hannah's dice. They're (laughs) broken. Yeah, boy. They're far too good. Yeah, they are my blessed dice. So what are the three of you doing now? Well, I feel like we need to get the hell out of here because just murdered at least one noble, possibly two nobles, and the third noble, because he said that was his brother, right? Yes. He's just got away. Someone's, maybe his father's probably going to be like, hey, how do you, why do you have so many crossbow wounds and wolf bites on your knee? Oh, I wonder what, what gnome is riding around with a wolf. It's not that many. So I think we need to get the hell out of her. And as you turn to leave, you hear a, <clears throat> oh, can we do perception or do we just see the person? No, you just turn around and behind you, you see a child and it's a child you would recognise. His name is Eric and he looks to be about 12 years old. He's got short brown curly hair and very, very pale blue eyes down at the dead orcs on the floor. And he looks up at the moonless sky and he says, The blood of mortal enemies has been spilt under the new moon. This is the first of the three tragedies to pass before the moon is full. What have you done? This Shakespeare child. (laughs) Okay, I know enough about plays to know that this isn't good at all. And he blinks at you with big blue eyes. So I just want to go up to him and be like, Eric, what do you mean three tragedies? Have you had some kind of vision? You kind of go to put a hand on his shoulder and he instinctively draws back from you and just dodges it. He says, the three tragedies, you don't know what you've started. He turns to you, Omatai, and he presses a letter into your hands and on it, it reads, the Lady Caliph Anastasia. And he turns and he runs. It's weird. Um, he just gave me this letter? Letter. Halith Amastasia. Yeah. Maybe mistaken identity. K, Kalith, Kalith, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I snatched it out of his hands. Isn't that the name that the uh, orc guy was saying? He did say Amastasia, that's true. Hmm. Kalith, you knowing that this is you, read the letter and I have sent it to you. My dearest Kalith, please forgive me, my love. I have not been honest with you to my bitterest regret. I know my words can be of little comfort to you now, but please understand, my family could never suffer me to love an Anastasia, and I fear you could never have brought yourself to love a Thunderstone. Yes, I knew your true name from the first, and my greatest sin is that I hoarded your secrets while guarding my own so jealously. This is my only sin, for truly no god could have seen our love and branded it anything but divine. Our names be damned. I am afraid our secrets have been compromised, though I do not know how. My family is enraged at my folly and seek to do you great harm. I have managed to convince them you are a distant bastard son, and this lie should offer you some protection. Flee, my love, 
for if they lay hands on you, they will surely kill you. Tomorrow, at the solstice celebrations, I am to meet my future husband, and the following morning, I travel with him to my new home in the Western tribes. My punishment for the shame I have wrought is that I will never lay eyes on you again, never again kiss your soft lips. There is nothing I can do, my love, except to carry the sweet memories of you on my journey. I wish I could speak to you one more time. Please, always remember the beautiful days where we adored each other and the nights we made music as one. All my deepest love and affection, our friend Thunderstone. Thank you.